Brandon, you also told me, as you can hear the chants from the, the crowd, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Pandemic ain't real, they just planned it. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. You ask questions, they start banning. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. Hey, hey. Let's go, Brandon, and it's clear that man a rat. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon, now the Taliban a threat. Hey, you planning now the Taliban is standing on our neck. Chanting death to America, you are belly president. Listen. Ladies and gentlemen, and happy Halloween. This is Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the media and culture and around the world to kind of get through all the crazy stuff that's uh, happening in the media, the different kind of lies, the propaganda, the flat-out pravda, all of that. And, of course, we are live every single Sunday from noon until 2. And you can also support this program over at subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio. Now, what you guys heard right at the beginning of this program was a supercut, a very small supercut, of Let's Go Brandon. Because it's now a national news story, even though many people in our audience and all over are going, wait, I've known about this for, like, months now. What's going on? Why Why is this suddenly hitting the news again? And it's because uh, the left finally caught up. So, for those of you who don't know, we will bring you uh, kind of the, the big background here. Uh... Early on, I, I think I think I've got the origins absolutely correct here. So what happened was at the beginning of the college football season, there were a bunch of like the beginning games of college football. Sports started. Uh, it was you know people kind of. Long story short, it was like the first time that people were able to gather in stadiums again, and the there were a bunch of you know, liberals that got super upset over these large football games that were happening. And they were all calling them super spreader events because, you know, people having fun is something that the left gets really upset about. And Mm. so people were having fun and they weren't being miserable and sitting in their homes, being inundated with Netflix propaganda. And so they were super upset about it. And there were a lot of people that were saying, that the government was going to shut down large gatherings like college football games. And so it became popularized for people to start chanting, fuck Joe Biden at, at these different football games. Okay. Now, and this ended up happening at other things. There were concerts uh, that this happened at. Uh, there were, yeah, basically any large event where people gathered, you would hear people chanting, fuck Joe Biden. 
And then <laughs> this happened at a NASCAR event, which isn't really surprising to anybody because like NASCAR is the example that Democrats use when they try to talk about disgusting, gross flyover Americans. But mm-hmm. the chant happened at a NASCAR event. The driver happened to be named Brandon. And okay. a an NBC reporter tried to cover up the chant. So I'll go back to it. We started the show with it. But this was the original audio from where Let's Go Brandon came from. Brandon, you also told me, as you can hear the chants from the, the crowd... Let's go, Brandon. So the hilar- the the hilarity ensued where uh, there was obviously a crowd of people that were saying, fuck Joe Biden. And what's funny is uh, there th- this tried to get killed. People were claiming, oh, well, they were saying, let's go, Brandon. And then it turned into this. And that that didn't happen. The point is, is they're quite obviously saying, fuck Joe Biden. And this NBC reporter is like, ah, they're saying, let's go, Brandon. Ha ha ha. And so people jumped on it because it was, it is the prime example of the media trying to get rid of a narrative that they find extremely inconvenient. Yeah. Oh, they hate it so much. Yeah, they, they, they absolutely hated it. So what ended up happening is this obviously became the new chant because it's, uh, you know, more consumable. It's a funny chant. Yeah, and it's a funny chant because uh, the meme evolved is what's happening. And what makes the chant funnier is it started out as fuck Joe Biden. Then you had the press try to lie about it. And so then people adopted that. One, it's more consumable because it's not cursing. But two, it's an evolution of a meme of people... not only still getting their feelings out about Joe Biden, but also pointing to the insanity of the liberal media lying all the time. So, to be completely honest, it's awesome. Yeah. Because it gets to the heart of stuff. Now, mm-hmm. here's where things get weird, and the reason why I felt a need to describe all of that. According to an Associated Press article, a pilot from Southwest Mm. Airlines, while the passengers, I believe, while they were disembarking, I'm not sure, but a pilot said, let's go, Brandon, over the intercom. This was very problematic oh no like i don't know very it it was it's insane so okay so mm -hmm. okay so when you say very problematic problematic to who problematic according to the media this is this is a very big problem um they're they're very very upset over this uh there have been a, a tweet storm is I guess the the best thing that we can call it uh, because of a, a so well I think I believe it started that here's okay I'm, I'm gonna get into a little bit of the conspiracy here the conspiracy here is that a bunch of now it's possible that this is just organic because everybody's just jumping on the same bandwagon here 
But there were a bunch of articles yesterday from different press outlets that are like, we're going to explain the the F Joe Biden, let's go Brandon thing. And we're going to tell you how it's super bad. This seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, like I said, this has been going on for basically at least a couple of months now. But suddenly all of these news outlets wanted to write stories about it. And it just so happens we were so lucky that the Associated Press, uh, the the um, journalist Colleen Long from the Associated Press, just so happened while she was writing this story was on a flight where the pilot totally said, let's go, Brandon. Interesting. Here's a question. Do we know the flight number or do we know the pilot's name? Do we have any information about what flight this was. Is this did this really happen? So from from the Associated Press article, this is this is where it uh where it starts off. On Friday morning, on a Southwest flight from Houston to Albuquerque, the pilot signed off his greeting over the public address system with the phrase to audible gasps from some passengers. <gasps> Southwest said in a statement that the airline takes pride in providing a welcoming, comfortable, and respectful environment, and the behavior from any individual that is divisive or offensive is not condoned. Uh-huh. Okay. So that that's the extent of what we have here. Okay. And, which is weird. So the entirety, let's see here. Sorry, I just wanted to, um, I wanted to double check something. What's Mm -hmm. amazing is I'm trying to see where else, if she actually mentions what she did on the flight, but she, uh, does not. So, um, let's, let's go, let's go to, to her tweets regarding the flight because it gets more wild. (laughs) Okay, so let's uh, let, let me see if I can find it. Sorry, I, I uh, a lot of the, the a lot of this happened like late last night. That's that's what's even more like kind of crazy, crazy town about it. Um, but let's see. According to uh, uh, according to Colleen Long, who wrote the Associated Press article and was just amazed, by the way. That she was on a flight uh, where this just so happened to be while she was um, writing the story. So I'm, I'm pulling up her stuff now to, to find the weirdness that she said. Because according to her, um, after this occurred, after she was sitting on this flight and the uh, pilot signed off, she then uh, she got in trouble because then she attempted to get into the cockpit because she absolutely wanted to uh, uh, interview the pilot. Bold choice. Yeah, like she started banging on Essentially the door. Essentially attacked the cockpit and was trying to... <laughs> she was de- demanding access to the locked cockpit because, oh my gosh... To give I the just... pilot a piece of her mind. Hilarious. Yeah, like, I, 
I, I think she's trying to play it off as like, oh, no, I was totally just trying to, you know, talk to this pilot here. Uh, but so the reality. My story, I didn't just get suddenly outraged and then decide that I had to go yell at this pilot and scold him for not liking Dear Leader. And incur- not liking Dear Leader and encouraging other people on the plane to question the Biden administration. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to find uh, the damn. These words thread. probably literally violence. <laughs> what? OK, to be to be completely honest, um, how much do you want to bet it was so she could get his name? Probably. Yeah, uh, uh, there we go. For her article. Yeah. Wow, journalists, we best journalists, don't we, folks? Yeah, she, she had to get his name because that's that's the thing we're talking about, right? Yeah. For her article. I mean, that does maybe, I don't know. It just, it's so lame. I feel, I feel bad because for whatever reason, there's, there's so many things like we don't have the entire two hours to just talk about this story. Um, but there were so many things that I piled in here that I actually am trying not, I'm trying to find, uh, her tweet where she talks about like trying to get into it. Cause I want to get her exact words here. Um, because the long story on this was she was she talks about how it was just so crazy uh that she was on uh that it was so crazy that she was writing this article and she just so happened to be on a flight where this happened and what amazes me about it is uh, that's just no i don't um uh, I'm I'm calling potential bullshit here. Mm. That that I I find it very hard to believe that all of these news networks just suddenly were going to cover "Let's Go Brandon" and talk about how awful and terrible it is. And th- one of the the like main writers of the article that spurred all of this just so happened to be on a. Southwest Airlines flight. And if you remember, they were in the news recently because of the vaccine mandate strikes where a bunch of uh, right. flights got canceled and the media lied and said it was because of storms that weren't happening. It, you know, I do remember and, this. And then the CEO came out and said, I'm not going to fire anybody who doesn't get vaccinated. Okay. Suddenly, so there is a potential that this pilot was someone who was being threatened to get fired unless he complied with Joe Biden's vaccine mandate right it would be totally in keeping on brand for him to then be um relatively anti-joe biden exactly so there's definitely that but it's to the other side of it, it it's a little shocking uh to me that all of this lined up so well for this journalist really it just it seems it's shocking to you that yeah, the, that like... that the media might lie blatantly <laughs> to our faces in order to manipulate the discourse and make it impossible to have honest conversations with one another. It's that shocking to you? Dude, it's 2021. Like Wake up, welcome people. to the modern age, I guess. <laughs> I I guess the better way to say it is, man, how convenient that it yeah. just so happens to be the airline that's going against your narrative. That you happen to be on a flight while you were writing this exact story. 
and somebody said the thing that you were writing the story about, which then made it become gain traction to go national. Just yeah, very convenient to say the very least. Convenient. Now, regardless of whether or not the story's actually true, because as Alan was pointing out earlier, very difficult to uh, validate this, to, to confirm it. Because all we know was at some point on Friday on this flight, this totes happened to everybody. Um, and me, a journalist who totally, as Alan <laughs> so eloquently pointed out, would never lie about something to create a narrative. <laughs> yeah, especially something so important as the opinions of a of a pilot who is a professional we should hold in high esteem. Um would never possibly do any of that for for people that she was probably just a couple weeks ago thrilled over the idea that they would get fired for not complying with the vax mandate. She was probably pissed at all these pilots being like, how can all these pilots be so selfish and not just comply with the thing the regime mandated? Wow. They're a bunch of probably right wing dicks. And now she's sitting here going, Real or not, she now gets to write a story that confirms exactly that opinion. I mean, shouldn't we ask the question of why such an educated journalist was risk literally risking her life flying on a Southwest Airlines flight after she knows that they don't require vaccines? Does that seem a little weird? It's almost as if these people lie and everything they do is disingenuous. <laughs> I hope people are getting what we're, you know, I hope you guys understand um, kind of where we're going with this. But the reaction to this Associated Press story has been absolutely fascinating because uh, uh, now bear, bear with me here. This isn't just the press. This is just, yeah. these are, these are liberals everywhere. They are demanding that this Southwest pilot be fired because he said a mean thing about the president of the United States. So breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, it's no longer okay to be mean to the president of the United States. Uh, yeah. To these people, that is true. Yeah. It's, it's not okay. It was okay before, but it's different now because it's their team. Yep. They're the good guys. Yeah. And so obviously they're still just fighting the bad guys. Unironically, yes, that's exactly how they look at the situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, uh, this is not irony. <laughs> this is literally how they see it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is absolutely, completely psychotic. Uh, obviously, we we all know now. What's it, no? It, it just proves that it just proves how much of a threat these people are, and how much they can't be lived with. Like, there's no breaking bread with people that ever again. With there's no breaking bread with people that will do this kind of thing, that will spit in the face of civility and national unity this hard for paltry political wins. It proves just how little respect they have for us and themselves by doing things like this. 
Yeah. It so on top of that as well, just to kind of, you know, tie tie this off. Because this was going viral uh yesterday, obviously mm-hmm. we do have some media reactions. And so Brian Stelter from CNN literally has accused the pilot of drug abuse. Right. Their claim. So this is where this is where it transitions from. Oh, some dumb idiot said some dumb thing on Twitter. That's not necessarily news. However, then the actual news media that is trying to project an air of legitimacy jumped on the story, sided with the terrible take by some random person on Twitter, doubled down on it, and then essentially asserted, well, the only reason why you would ever dislike Joe Biden is if you were some sort of drug-addled deviant. And that this is where it transitions from one person had a dumb opinion to now the American Pravda Propaganda Network is swinging in behind that dumb idea. Clearly, this is something that the progressive movement as a whole finds is reacting to negatively like a body's immune system. Like they see a threat (laughs) to their power and are sending their minions to go crush it. And that means we're over target. It's. You know, you're over target. If you're taking flack, you're over target. Somehow the let's go Brandon comment is directly over target with how much we've seen very rapidly the mechanisms of state and media power shift towards trying to crush that comment. So th- this is what's interesting. Now, um, a couple of things I want to cover before I kind of dive a little bit more into into some of this. Um Colleen has a couple of statements here on our live chat, which if you want to be on it, just go to Spreaker.com and you can join our live chat. Uh, But obviously, one thing is the phrase is everywhere, so I wouldn't be shocked if it happened, which is a very true statement. That's that's the other thing is if this is a lie, like if this journalist is making it all up and it never happened, uh, what she's actually doing is showing that there are basically creating the potential that this is so common that she was super able to like just catch it in, in, in the wild while writing a story about it. Um, but, uh, also according to her, the liberal, the, the, the lib homosexuals, as she says, two boats down from me loved my let's go Brandon shirt. The media is all that's left to shill for Biden. Interesting. And I, I think that that's the thing. Like, first of all, um, complaining about the president of the United States is a pretty American thing to do, right? Like, like the whole idea is the, you be, being upset at the government's pretty normal, right, for, for, this, for the citizens. And mm-hmm. I think that the reason why we're seeing this psychotic reaction is because it's funny. Even liberals find it funny because I I don't know about you, Alan, but I know a lot of liberals and a lot of Democrats that are like, okay, yeah, Biden sucks. I Yeah, I get it. Like they might try to rationalize and be like, well, but like Trump was so much worse, guys. But there are a lot of people that were either never Trumpers or Democrats that I know that are going like, yeah, no, Biden sucks. 
yeah, Biden sucks. Mm-hmm. And so I think everybody can kind of grab onto that. Most definitely. And I think that's that I think that's why the, we are seeing the reaction that we're seeing to something so benign is they know the power of funny slogans. They know the power of humor and what they cannot have. I think I think third, they know that their own power is very tenuous. The the progressive movement and the Democrat Party, the media, etc., have been for at least for a very long time writing checks that they can't cash that on the barest amount of investigation or critical th- thinking will completely undo the the you know simulation they've created to trap people's minds in mm-hmm. and when they see something as benign as a humorous chant about the pre- about the regime they real they have to crush that as hard as possible because the last thing that they can allow is the normalization of dislike for President Biden. It's they saw that they know the power of it under Trump because under Trump, if we all remember, it became nor it was described as the normal baseline in society that you hated Donald Trump. That's the way the media and ever, all these groups presented it to us, and a lot of dumb idiots in the country believe that they said, "Well, everybody everybody hates Trump. I guess I'll hate Trump. Like that's just the normal thing to do. I guess." What they cannot allow is for the opposite thing to happen, which is very easy to happen. And that's things like this chant, especially when it's chanted at a game where there's lots of people doing it. It creates the perception that there is a broad, very uh, happy displeasure with Joe Biden, that people are laughing while saying, let's go, Brandon, or and they do not like that because it means other people could see it and think, well, all these people are laughing at Joe Biden and disliking him. And that's OK. Maybe I could dislike Joe Biden and think that he's not that great. And I think that's why we're seeing them react as if it is the re- react like a virus has in- entered like the body of an organism. Like they're trying to corral around it and destroy it because it represents a threat to their essentially dominance. What's wild about it is, like, like I said, with um, so Ju- Juliet Kaim, who's a uh, analyst for CNN and Brian Stelter, while discussing this last night, literally suggests, quote, his words reflect possibility of anger management or substance abuse. Hilarious. And um, Asha Rengapa, who's a CNN analyst and former FBI special agent tweeted out last night as an experiment. I'd love for a Southwest airline, uh, Southwest airlines pilot to say long live ISIS before taking off. My guess is that one, the plane would be immediately grounded Two, the pilot fired and three, a statement issued by the airline within a matter of hours. They are literally making saying, let's go, Brandon, analogous to being a member of ISIS. God, these people are such nerds. Like, we've talked incessantly about how the left is literally trying to make questioning their politics terrorism. Quite literally. (laughs) I mean, I'm 
It was the proper use. No, of no, no. Literally. You're absolutely right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but on top of that, how hilarious is it that a former FBI special agent is kind of proving everything that people like Tucker Carlson are saying right now that the FBI it would literally entrap Americans. I said, I said it again, would entrap Americans into terrorism charges for disagreeing with the liberal regime. Yeah. Right. And as you guys heard uh... in the opening, one of the things I think that makes this the most infuriating for the left is the fact that I I played a rap song because the top five rap songs on iTunes this week were renditions of Let's Go Brandon. Hmm. Like, it's becoming a meme. Yeah. It's mostly, it's it's popular and funny. And people yeah, like that. It, it's popular, it's funny. And now the left is saying, it's a terrorism, it needs to be shut down, you will get fired. It just, that's, yeah. that, well, that's it the just shows the level of depravity that these people have descended to. And I, going back to the comment we got, it sounds like a lot of people, even on the liberal side are either withdrawing from politics or no longer essentially under their sway because they're so ridiculous. And I, the meat, like the, the Democrats and media are clearly co- coordinating together to try and prop up a very unpopular regime that cannot do anything popular because they don't actually serve the United States. And so no wonder they're reacting like this. This is kind of the end road for a long history they have of this kind of activity. And I, it's, I, I can't be surprised at it anymore. Yeah. Like it, it does kind of suck, right? Because, because every week we cover a lot of these stories, but then you kind you, you, you bring it up and it's, it's something sort of new, but you're like, yeah, it's kind of that the modus operandi. Right. Um, yeah. But what it does speak to is, like, this is such a dramatic overreaction to, let's just be honest, I I do think it's funny. I'm entertained by it. So I'm not trying to insult it directly. But it's kind of dumb. What is? Like, the whole Let's Go Brandon thing. It's just silly. Like, it's just it silly. silly. It's and so, that's what makes it fun. It's benign, and it's super silly. And, like... Normal and people... it all goes back to a, a stupid reporter, again, a stupid media reporter trying to cover up people's displeasure with the president, which why it's why it makes it great. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think it's a phenomenal kind of rallying cry. Yeah. Because it's silly, because it is so hard to criticize, because when you criticize it, you have to do things like uh, saying this silly phrase is literally terrorism. It's great because it's power. The power of such a simple, silly phrase is it is impossible for people to argue against it because you start sounding like the crazy person in that conversation. That's why it's great. Why do you think Obama had a his slogan be hope and change? It's, it's simple, it's easy, it's easy to say, it's only positive, and if anybody dislikes, say, your guy or dislikes your side, you can say, well, why did you just hate hope and change? I don't understand. Same with Let's Go Brandon. Like, Let's Go Brandon. Everybody knows what it, a lot of people know what it stands for, but if you say, like, well, you just shouldn't say that, it's only going to make you look like the crazy person in the room because, because of the level of disproportionate reaction you're having. If they just ignored this and pretended it was never said, this phrase would lose all its power. 
because it annoys them, it means we should only say it more and more and more. So this is actually interesting. It, it, this goes just a little bit to, to your point, and we'll, we'll wrap this up because we're already at the half hour mark here. But um, you had shared with me, and I, I didn't get the chance to bring it up on last week's show, um, but there are it, – it's not just Southwest Airlines. Uh, there are pilots who uh, say this over the broadcast system. In fact, yeah. um, that same CNN analyst who – was trying to basically say that the pilot who said this is probably mentally impaired uh, posted this, claiming that it's coming from a uh, coming from a pilot. Uh, this is the post that she retweeted. Southwest pilot saying "Let's go, Brandon" demonstrated the poorest of judgments, best case, and a MAGA death wish, worst case. Oh, and then the rest of the flight crew let him remain in the cabin. Operating a commercial aircraft. They oh, the f- horror. <laughs> they should, in fact, all be fired and lose their certificates. FAA what? won't let me fly when mentally impaired. Impairments what? including being sad or angry. In a commercial what? crew, they're supposed to apply such tests to each other. Total what? Where, failure. Where is, hmm? where is this coming from? This what is, is the su- source of this? This is supposedly a pilot. No, no, no. Like, who is saying this? What is this article or the, the, who this are you is, quoting? This is some post from supposedly a pilot on Facebook that was shared on Twitter by the CNN analyst uh, who claimed that it was a sign of mental impairment to say, let's go, Brandon. Bullshit. Right, right. To- total okay. failure okay. to implement the I'm safe checklist Clearly, the guy is stressed out enough about something. Stolen oh, election. Maybe it was because he almost was just fired by <laughs> Joe Biden. Well, by in the vaccine mandate. Like, so, ah! <laughs> but, to, but understand this for a second. This guy was not stressed out. They do this all the time. Think about it. This guy obviously was really stressed out and angry. He shouldn't be operating a plane because of how mad he is. Yeah. No, no that's what they always do. You don't. It's not that you have a legitimate political complaint. It's that you are angry. You're defective. You're some sort of mental deviant. You are, you're drunk. You have substance problem. Because the last thing that the left, that the progressive agenda, the New World Order, any of that, the last thing they can have, the last thing they can allow is for people to critically evaluate our position, to critically evaluate our evidence, to critically evaluate our arguments, to critically compare our worldview to theirs. That is the last thing they can have because they know, and we know, and we all know that they are built on a foundation of lies and will crumble with even the slightest bit of critical, like criticism to their worldview. And, that's why they have to paint this guy as crazy, as defective as anything else. Oh, he's dumb. He's crazy. He's defective. It, it, it can't be that he's a well-educated professional who has come to the conclusion that the that uh, senile man bad. Right. Well, and 
it's so funny because the actual overall reaction is this is just an angry and hateful slur. Right, right. Because right. we didn't all just live through the last four years of the left with Trump. We didn't live through every corporation making political statements about supporting Black Lives Matter while they were burning our cities down. Right. Like, <laughs> get fucked. Seriously? Exactly. No, it, it, every, you... everything these people do is disingenuous. <laughs> the, in fact, the journalist who was complaining about this, it's like, it was a terrible slur and this guy was, this pilot was saying it. She previously, like a, a year, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I someone dug up a tweet where she basically says, fuck Donald Trump. Yep. And so it's like, okay, you people are liars and you just lie. And I don't know why we are still, I don't know why we still have to cover the lying media because, but apparently that's still a thing. It's like, so I almost thought it thought, think anymore. It's if you don't realize the media lies all the time about everything that I almost, I can't help you. It's like, it's so obvious. <laughs> Now, part of the reason why Southwest Airlines might be in the target is because of things like this. This is from 10 days ago. Ooh. 10 days ago on October 21st, a tweet put out by Senator Ron Johnson, who's exceedingly hated by the left. Um, yeah. You know, so he's a U.S. senator from Wisconsin. Uh, this this obviously was after all of the debacle with Southwest Airlines, who... We're going to fire a bunch of people. Then they protested, which, by the way, was the first really big national protest against vaccine mandates. Yeah, they won. And now, and now we've seen so many more. But uh -huh. Ron Johnson uh, tweets this out, and he has a fun little sticker that he's handing to the pilot in the picture of his tweet where he says, Thanks for another smooth flight and on-time arrival on Southwest, crewed by two members of the Southwest Freedom Flyers. Safe travels and keep fighting for freedom. Hmm. That's why Southwest is under attack by the left. That's why they're trying to claim this happened. That's why they're demanding a boycott. Because Southwest huh. Airlines became the symbol uh, that people can fight back against things like vaccine mandates and win. Yeah. They protested vaccine mandates and the CEO of Southwest Airlines came out and said that he was not going to require vaccinations. But remember, the reason why this seems so weird to people is because the media lied during that protest. The media claimed that all of these thousands of uh, flights were, were canceled because of bad weather, even though other airline carriers were not having a problem getting people to their destinations. Right. Just, and this was just a couple, like, what, just a couple weeks ago. That's why this is happening. That's also why, regardless, like, the left's reaction to this is still pure and we can point to it and whatever. That's why I actually think that this entire story is a lie. I don't think that a pilot actually said that. I think an AP, maybe, maybe they did, but it's also just as possible that this AP journalist made this entire story up as a reason to get the like left-wing outrage mob to go after Southwest Airlines to punish them for showing Americans that they can actually stand up for themselves. Yeah. To that point, let's talk about media lies. 
because mm-hmm. we got the I, I love I love this story. So we're going to take some time on it, not just because it's basically a local story, um, but I'm going to paint the picture for you guys because we got the greatest gift, which was the entire revelation of the left's playbook. So let me set the stage for you on to next Tuesday is the Virginia gubernatorial election. So on Tuesday, we will be voting for governor. There are other states that are doing it as well. <clears throat> because of the news stories that people have heard regarding Loudoun County, the school board there covering up the sexual assault of a teen because they thought that it would be used to shut down their transgender bathroom agenda, the revelation that the school board lied and actually knew about the assault, that the superintendent knew about the assault, and that they had a parent arrested for wanting to speak about it at a school board meeting. Mm -hmm. That turned into, at a governor's debate, Glenn Youngkin, the Republican candidate, saying that he thinks that parents should be involved in the curriculum. He thinks that parents have a right to speak out against radical school curriculums like critical race theory, mask mandates, uh, blatant pornography in school libraries, of which there are several examples of. And Terry McAuliffe yeah. took the position that no, parents shouldn't be allowed to comment on what their children are taught. To include, last week, the Washington Post running a headline that said, parents think that they should have a a say in their school's curriculum. They shouldn't. The results of this. Now, I remain skeptical because I remain skeptical of all polls. But the results of these things were polls that came out last week showing Glenn Youngkin surging ahead in the polls as much as eight points in a blue state. I mean, Virginia's pretty blue. Yeah. So at, like I said, I was skeptical of the polls, but I think we have proof that the internal polling, which, you know, as you've said, uh, Alan, I think you even said it last week that polling is co- consistently used to try to actually suppress voting. Right. But internal polling, that's the polls that like campaigns pay millions of dollars for. And so the point of them is to be accurate, right? <clears throat> Those aren't the polls that would typically lie. Now they might be wrong and stupid, but you know, you you get you get your payday if your candidate wins by giving them accurate polls to address what voters care about, right? Right. I think there's proof that the internal polling for Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat who's running for governor in Virginia, I think there's evidence that their internal polling shows that he's probably going to lose on Tuesday. And why do I say that? Because on Friday... Glenn Youngkin had a campaign stop in Charlottesville, Virginia. This is the end of the road. This is Friday. So last Friday. And the election is on Tuesday. 
the okay. Virginia Democrats in con- possibly in conjunction with the never Trump outfit, the Lincoln project staged a false flag where they got five, four or five staffers, known staffers, Terry McAuliffe staffers and Virginia Democrat staffers to dress up as the people who marched with the Tiki torches in 2017 at Charlottesville and Uh start chanting that they're with Glenn Youngkin. And the way that we prove Mm -hmm. that this was a false flag, because the, the funny part here is that several people are going to try to claim uh, that it wasn't a, like that. Anyway, I'll get to that in a second. I don't want to, I don't uh-huh. want to overdo it here. Um, I don't want you to either. <laughs> the way that we prove that this was a false flag is because the original posts that came out uh, with regards to this is a, the person who helped coordinate this, and I'm trying to get her exact position here, um, but there there was a woman who helped coordinate this entire situation, and she is like the she's a communications director. Originally posted a tweet where she was reacting to all of these people that were sitting out, um, sitting out there. That there there was a media reaction. That was horrified over these people Mm. standing around like, oh, my God, look at these white supremacists that are standing outside of Glenn Youngkin's um, bus. Here was, okay, so this is Charlie Olaf, who's the, I I believe, one of the communications directors for, for Terry McAuliffe the Democrat has the picture of the five people who are now known to be Virginia Democrat staffers saying, wow, at a campaign stop for Glenn Youngkin this morning, people were holding tiki torches and chanting. We're all in for Glenn disgusting reference to the 2017 unite the right rally in Charlottesville. Oh, disgusting. We also I'm disgusted. Are you disgusted? You don't sound disgusted enough. I just I can't I literally can't vomit enough because of how angry I am. You know, many such cases. But then you also had one of the, the you you had a woman take that tweet and, you know, she, she retweets it out with the shocked face, right? They're like, oh, you know, the shocked face emoji. Like, oh, my God, I'm so shocked that this is happening. That same person ended up hours later after it got outed that this was all a that, that this was all created as a false flag. Admits mm-hmm. that she helped coordinate it because when so so what happened is. All of these people were standing there. The reaction from the communications director for Terry McAuliffe was, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Yeah. Uh, Like, oh, this is so disgusting. Isn't this horrible? 
Then when it came out, like when everybody outed it because it was pictures, they took pictures of these people. One of the guys is absolutely on Terry McAuliffe's staff. It's they, he's seen walking with him. One of the girls that's involved is, is a staffer for the Virginia Democrats. Yeah. When this came out, there are connections with all of these people to the Virginia Democratic Party. The next thing you know, the Lincoln Project comes out and says, oh, we we did this. We we did this to show what what could happen. Like, this is the type of thing that could happen if Glenn Youngkin's in charge. So, that's patently ridiculous. But... I think that this is a really fascinating moment because if anyone ever wondered whether things like the Lincoln Project are in fact just controlled opposition for the Democrat Party, this proves that that is indeed the case. Because either either way, either A, the Lincoln Project is to be believed here, they did this stunt, but that means the Lincoln Project is hiring members of the staff of Democrat of the Democrat Party to perform political ops to embarrass Republican candidates, which means that they're playing for the other team, or the Lincoln Project exists to jump in and run interference and damage control for when the Democrat Party gets caught doing things that it shouldn't. Right. And what what's amazing here is, so Lauren Windsor was the, the, the person I was thinking of. And she, so initially she tweeted out, like she tweeted out the communications director's reaction of like, oh my God, look at these white supremacists who totally showed up here. Oh, geez. Then hours later, after a bunch of people went, hey, uh, all of these people work for the Virginia Democrats. This is a false flag. The narrative shifted. And so she just understand this timeline. She acted like this was organic. She acted like she was horrified by this. Then. Yeah. Hours later, she writes in my capacity as a communications consultant, I worked with Project Lincoln. To coordinate today's Yunkin action in Charlottesville. I joined them in the fight to defend our democracy from right-wing extremists and call for Glenn Yunkin to denounce Trump's very fine people. Holy crap, sorry. (laughs) Reading through the Twitter comments, one of the reactions is just, you should be arrested. Great. (laughs) So, like, what's so impressive about this is it is obvious that they were going, the entire time they were going to pretend that this was organic. Like, this 100% was a false flag. They were going to pretend it was organic. They were going to pull it off as if this was... Oh my gosh, look at these white supremacists who showed up. Oh geez, isn't this terrible? They're all neo-Nazis. Oh gosh. Yeah, this was a Democrat Party supported political incident that was designed to be a false flag to convince the country that Republicans are in fact racist and that there is this big white supremacist movement within the United States. 
This ties in this type of action ties in directly with people like the news media trying to convince America that white supremacist domestic terror groups are prevalent are prevalent across the United States and a huge threat. Both of these things together are essentially the left trying to psyop the American people into believing there is this big secret enemy that they need to constantly be in terror of and keep voting Democrat. The thing that's interesting about this to me is that we have been saying this for a very long time. We have been constantly trying to, I've constantly tried to tell people and get across, no, 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 like the phrase, you don't understand. All of this is smoke and mirrors. There aren't a bunch of white supremacists out there. These are all Democrat Party controlled ops to try and manipulate you into believing that. And up until now, I have gotten a lot of incredulity from people when I say that. And rightly so, because that sounds insane. Now, I am in the position of going, right here is a absolutely verifiable and provable incident of the Democrat Party trying to perform a false flag sort of event to manipulate national discourse about racism and white supremacy and convince you it's a problem when it's actually just fake. Now every argument I have with people is going to include that and the argument will suddenly become not is this happening, but is this happening every single time? And that's a very good place for the argument to be at. I no longer have to convince people it's possible because I can point at this and say, look, it is absolutely possible that they would do this. And if the stakes are higher, they might be willing to do something more extreme. How many of the other big political incidents that we've seen over the last couple of years were essentially this scaled up? Mm-hmm. And now when I argue with people, they're going to have to admit that it is possible. And they will then have to be on the back foot of that argument going, yeah, yeah, well, no, but like Charlottesville wasn't wasn't a Democrat false flag. No, 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 like January 6th wasn't a Democrat false flag because of these reasons. And that's a much better argument to have because they have to now prove to me that these things weren't a Democrat false flag rather than just dismissing my argument at the inception saying, no, no, it's impossible that that could happen. I'm not even going to listen to you. They now have to debate me on it. And that's a great thing for us. Well, and and this is what's interesting that, that you bring that up. Three of the people that are shown in that picture outside of Glenn Youngkin's bus that they tried to pretend was organic. Like I, I have to, uh, stress this because now the media is trying to claim oh no 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 this was a t- totally legit demonstration by the lincoln project even though we have all of these people putting out tweets to try to get the news media to view this as organic to view it as oh my gosh white supremacists showed up right like someone involved this lauren windsor uh, person who's involved, who is admitted to being a communications consultant who coordinated this, attempted to push this as, oh my gosh, it's so shocking that these white supremacists came out. Yeah. So we know that they were lying. Interestingly enough, three of the people, there's a picture that I shared in our live chat. Three of the people that were involved in this Tiki torch thing 
There's a mm-hmm. picture of them tweeted out by the same woman, Lauren Windsor, where it's a picture of three of them that were also holding tiki torches uh, that were geared up in tactical gear for the Justice for January 6th rally. And they're all flipping off the camera and she has she has the uh, the tagline there that says team undercurrent fuck fascists for those of you who don't remember interesting the justice for january 6 rally was the one that everybody all over social media said don't go to this it's a fed op and it's where that yeah. picture of all of those dudes in like shorts t-shirts and the same sunglasses where everybody's like oh my god check it out guys these are all feds yeah that's like, you that don't get a from. group of dudes wearing all the same watch with the same brand of sunglasses with the same haircut just randomly showing up to some rally at justice for January 6th like now nah, no like that that can't be right now now just just so you guys are all aware like the whole thing for this January 6th rally the, the justice for January 6th the the minute it started getting talked about the it nobody knew where it came from the media, yeah. the the reason why it didn't work was the media started reporting that all of these fascists were going to be out there on September. I think it was September 18th. They're all yeah. going to show up at Capitol Hill to demand justice for January 6th. Ooh, it's going to be super scary, guys. And there were a lot of people on social media that are like, hey, I'm in groups that would coordinate stuff like this. This isn't true. Yeah. Nobody that around that before that event, every single comment I ever saw, every discussion about the Justice for January 6th rally was, I don't know who's doing it. It's not us. It's not anybody I'm familiar with. I've heard nobody in right wing circles mention that this rally is their idea. Like, this seems like something that everyone should avoid like the plague. And then it went off. And guess what? The only people that showed up were basically Democrat party activists in disguise and federal agents in disguise, because the whole point of that was essentially a astroturfed event to try and cause a political incident so that then the media could capitalize on it and the Democrat party could capitalize on it as well. But, but think about this, this is all, this is part of the smoke and mirrors that the Democrat party and the media, which are in cahoots together are trying to pull off to manipulate the discussion in this country to manipulate national discourse. They're essentially saying, we're going to dress a bunch of people up in costume fitting because as it's Halloween, we're going to basically have a costume party with people dressed, dressed as neo-Nazis. And then we're going to point to that and go, look at how many neo-Nazis there are. You should definitely not look closely at what we're doing and then abandon the party out of horror. When you realize that we uh, like what our policies actually bring you. So this begs the question, if these same people dressed up as, you know, the, the people, the, the people who marched with tiki torches at Charlottesville in an attempt to do a black, you know, to, to do a false flag and try to claim that Glenn Youngkin had a bunch of neo-Nazis or, you know, white supremacists at a campaign stop, what was their original intent because understand, they're all dressed up in tactical gear. You know, they're trying to make themselves look like Oath Keepers or whatever else, right? Yeah. So what were they going to do at Justice for January 6th? What was their original intent there? 
Because yeah. we know that these same people were trying to make it look like there was some organic white supremacist support for Glenn Youngkin. So what were they going to do if anybody actually showed up at justice for January 6th, which then goes to the next lead on question of January 6th. How many people did the Lincoln project hire to do all of the things that then the Lincoln project used for their campaign ads? Good question. Very good question. Because because we now, or or potentially the Lincoln project, they could just be being the fall guys for this. So we know, we know that the Democrat party, the, at least the Virginia Democrats, but likely the Democrat party, potentially the, uh, potentially the Lincoln project, if they're not just being cucks and fall guys, absolutely will stage false flags. So, since the Democrat Party got all of this mileage out of things like, I don't know, QAnon Shaman, was that guy yeah. hired by the Lincoln Project? That it makes a, it's a very good question. How much of the political theater that we've seen over the past couple of years that's always seemed very bizarre to you was actually a Democrat false flag trying to manipulate people into, into thinking different, like into thinking something that wasn't true? How many yeah. people at January 6th that were re- utterly ridiculous that I look at on video and go, I did not realize people were like that, that would have shown up to these things. It's like right. those people get a lot. Any, it's almost th- at this point, you got to wonder any time a right winger gets a ton of attention by the media, like the QAnon, QAnon shaman, for example, is that guy, is that real? Or did they just create that character and are pretending it's real to malign the right wing movement? Well, because, I mean, think about it, right? You take somebody like the, that whole shaman dude, right? That's really and actually, to be completely honest, a lot of the stuff that you see at the whole January 6th thing plays out more like the caricature that liberals believe conservatives to be, not yeah. actual conservatives. So much of this, so much of these national things happen to be more accurate to the caricature that the left created of the right wing rather than the actual organic right wing. Right. I mean, one one of the one of the more popular uh, pictures that people try to show is all of these people with Confederate flags at January 6th that have all that also have like neo-Nazi symbolism on it. Yeah. But all of those flags still have like all the creases as if they were picked up that morning. Yeah. Which I don't even know where you would buy those and get them. Like, I mean, you could just order one from Amazon. Right. But to the same point, like you don't that that's not a no. Okay. Let me, let me phrase it this way. There are, a ton of Trump campaign events, a ton of them. You like Trump yeah. never stopped doing rallies. True. For five years, Trump did rallies all the time. You never saw stuff like that. It was never really that. Why? I mean, you, you would think if there was a place that these people would feel safe for this, it would be at a Trump rally, right? I think so. But you never saw that. How is right. that possible? Yet somehow 
at this January 6th rally, all of these people show up and give the media exactly what they need, give the give the Lincoln Project exactly what they need to take these pictures, to have these videos, to then make ads out of them for their Democrat candidates who are paying them. Wow, that's just so... Uh, it's, a, it's like kismet. You're the luckiest people in the world. Or, right, since now right. we know that you pay people to do false flags... Uh, that was all you, you bought those flags, you paid those people and you had them stand there. Right. Which comes to the other thing. Need I remind everybody? It stands to reason. It's one of those, it's so possible that the ridiculous political theater things we've seen have been contrived that, okay, well, and I guess this is, this is maybe my point is. It is no longer an argument that it is possible that these bizarre political incidents are staged. That is no, you cannot, you can no longer maintain that it's impossible that they're staged, that it's all real. So that leaves us in the excellent position of saying, okay, now we have to actually have the debate of which ones are staged and which ones are real. Now, one of our listeners was, and I can confirm, was at the January 6th rally and okay. said there are a ton of folks selling flags on site at january 6th i never yeah. saw a confederate flag offered those flags were supplied hmm. in hiding never for sale okay again that's excellent because that speaks to that this was a essentially false flag that this was an effort to malign the right-wing movement in the end with the complicity of the press that they're going to like, hey, they're going to do this thing and they actually have a legitimate grievance. So we're going to go out and essentially have a big show. The media can cover that and then everyone can ignore this event because like, oh, well, that's just a bunch of racists and ignore exactly what this event was about. Now, justice for January 6th. Now, I think my, a lot of it was a fed op. But at the same time, if you did have a group a justice for january 6th that would be a legitimate political rally mm-hmm. because there we should demand justice for january 6th like justice for all those people they're still in jail in terrible conditions they shouldn't be in jail at all it's utterly ridiculous but the whole point of these things is to make sure that nobody actually hears out our arguments and treats it with any anything other than scorn and contempt and dismissal because, like, the last thing it, the Democrat Party, the media, any of these people want is for people to go, yeah, but why are they all still in prison, though? Like, I mean, even if they were all terrorists, shouldn't they have been charged by now? Wait, they're only getting charged with trespassing? How do you, like, languish in prison for a year on something as stupid as a trespassing charge? That makes no sense. Like, it's, it's like the government is simply just torturing these people out of spite. What the hell's going on? And... That's why they cannot allow people. That's why they have to do things like this. They have to muddy the water so much that it keeps people from seeing the illusion. Well, and to that point, so what what we saw was the Democrat Party and the Never Trumpers attempt to pull a false flag off at uh, a in Charlottesville at a Glenn Youngkin rally. Um, because like to, to the original point that I was making, um, I think that that makes it obvious that Terry McAuliffe is, uh, losing his ass in internal polling. Um, and I'll get to that, get to the election, uh, that's going to happen on Tuesday in a second. But, uh, 
Do you remember, and maybe you don't, it's okay if you don't, but do you remember why Joe Biden said that he was going to run in 2020? I do not. Okay, so I'm going to preface this with another question, which is, do you think that the Virginia Democrat Party, the Lincoln Project, all of these people that were talking about pulling this false flag off, do you think that they wanted Joe Biden to run for president and that they would do anything to make sure that he won? I don't know, because I I get the sense that Joe Biden and whatever cabal of people is puppeting him are somehow in some level of opposition with a lot of other groups within the progressive movement. And they're all quietly infighting amongst each other while also trying to destroy the right wing. So um, I will say that throughout the how do i phrase this okay through throughout the uh democrat primary for president it was very obvious that the establishment really liked joe biden for one reason or another the establishment really liked joe biden the progressives really liked elizabeth warren you know bernie sanders even some of okay. them liking pete Buttigieg. Sure. The so the DC establishment includes people like the Lincoln Project. Right? Because remember all of those I'll get to the whole point of this in a second, but all of those can all of the candidates that were a challenge for Joe Biden suddenly dropped out before Super Tuesday. Right. And that was the only way that Joe Biden could get to the front of the pack. The point that I'm making here is I believe that people like the Lincoln Project were huge supporters of a Joe Biden candidacy because they assumed uh, this is all debatable, but they assumed that someone like Elizabeth Warren would get completely destroyed by Trump and that somebody like Pete Buttigieg, same thing. They figured Joe Biden was about the only chance. I cannot imagine that they looked at Biden and went, Biden's going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Trump. Like the guy who can't think and shuffles around and doesn't remember where he is, that guy's definitely going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Trump. No, no, I understand what you mean. I can't believe they thought that. No, no, no. What they thought was, who's the person that we can control? So, no, I, I still almost disagree with that, too. Like, okay. I feel like the Democrats would have an equal. Like, Elizabeth Warren isn't stepping outside the box. B- Pete Buttigieg certainly would play toe the party line. I feel like there was something more. I feel like there was a faction within the Democrat Party that wanted Biden as their puppet to increase their power and prestige in relation to other factions within the Democrat Party. I think it was the essentially the establishment wing of the Democrat Party asserting itself, saying, you're going to put our guy as the front runner and we will then essentially mobilize our resources to ensure that Trump loses. And oh, the okay, rest of the right. Democrats went, you know what? We got to be playing for keeps here. Like we need the savvy, like political operators and massive, horrifying like Clinton-esque network behind us if we're going to defeat Trump. So we'll let Biden be president. We'll cut, we'll tell our more progressive, you know, favorites to drop out of the race so we can get the establishment guy in because we're essentially conceding to them that we need their help to defeat Trump. 
Okay. Yeah. We're okay. So we're, we're on the same side of this. It's just my, my phrasing might be poor. Um, yeah. So yes, like there was a big cabal that wanted Biden and they convinced everybody to go along with it. Right. And it's not that they, it's not that they even wanted Biden. It's that they knew Biden could be controlled by them. Right. So that when the other factions within the Democrat party wanted to do something, they would be they knew the president was on their leash and that that faction within the Democrat Party would still maintain control and would still have to be dealt with as a power player rather than marginalized, which is what I think they feared. I think when Hillary Clinton lost the most swampy kind of, I don't know, institutionalized kind of mainstream Democrats like the. The, the opposite of the neocons, like the people that have been in, in this for generations and decades, like the Clintons, et cetera, mm-hmm. that wing of the Democrat Party lost a lot of face within their movement. And I think that this what they saw the, this election as a way that they could get back power. It's like it's like palace intrigue. They viewed yeah. it as like, OK, you're going to put our guy on the throne and then you have to deal go through us anytime we want something done. And in return, we will ensure that our side as a whole maintains the executive executive power. Okay. The whole point of kind of for- formulating um, this idea of, of a lot of these like lobbying cabals and establishment types and all yeah. of that is to go to this. So let's let's go back to the, the original standup of this was that we just watched uh, the Virginia Democrats and the Lincoln Project and these groups uh, stage a false flag in Charlottesville, Virginia. Do you mm-hmm. recall what Joe Biden said is what encouraged him to run for president mm-hmm. for what? in 2020? Do you remember? About what? What do you say about what? What, what was it that Joe explosion? Biden said oh, encouraged him to run for president in 2020? Oh, <laughs> it looks like Alan's connection's bad. Um, we'll see if we can get him back on the line. But uh, the point that I was making here, and hopefully we can bring him back on so... Uh, you know, once once the Chinese free up his connection because we're about <laughs> we're over target. Uh, Alan, are you back? Probably not. So point is. Joe Biden said that his big reason for running in 2020 was what he saw in Charlottesville, Virginia. And so I now have to ask the question, if we know that the Lincoln Project or the Democrats or who the hell ever, we know the left is willing to run a false flag to push their political agenda, was the original uh, January, sorry, was the original Charlottesville protest a false flag that was coordinated by the left? Because it was um, be- because it was used so much by them 
for political. This is, this is where we have to look at this now. We have to ask ourselves how many of these situations that the left got so much mileage out of were actually false flags. Now, we've brought this up regularly because there are times that things don't make any sense. That we look at it and go, this is, yeah, I, I'm calling bullshit on this. But how many of those situations were false flags? How many of those were perpetrated by these same kinds of people? This looks like a regular occurrence. Like I said, we, we've got these people doing a false flag for the governor, uh, the governor race in, uh, in, in Virginia. Which, by the way, at what point does that become election meddling? At what point does that become election interference? That's the real question. At what points, um, at what point do we get to call that election interference where you're flat out lying? You are trying to pretend like something's organic. We all know that this whole claim that, oh, it was actually a demonstration is we all know that that's bullshit. We have these people pretending like it was organic. There's absolutely no admission that this was all actually just a demonstration until after it got caught, until after it got shown that these people worked for the McAuliffe campaign, that these people were staffers for the Virginia Democrats. Not one person said that this was a Lincoln Project demonstration until after they got caught. So that's the real question that has to be asked. I don't understand. I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And what's even more insane on that is we get the, we, we get this media reaction where they start running top cover. They, they, sorry, they, they start running top cover for the Lincoln project. They ran with that narrative to cover it up. I, I don't I don't think that there's any question that that that's all a lie. I don't th- I don't think that there's any question that it's a lie that this was all a demonstration and it was oh geez no like oh people just misinterpreted what we were saying absolutely not the, the I, I I think it's quite obvious and I, I know maybe I'm trying to oversell it a bit but I think it's quite obvious that. This was supposed to be a false flag. And then you have CNN here, which this was hilariously retweeted by the Lincoln Project. But you have uh, Chris Cuomo and James Carville. So Chris Cuomo, obviously apparatchik for the media on CNN. And you have James Carville, who was the guy who got the Clintons in office, who got Bill Clinton in office, talking about... Uh, talking about this false flag that got found out, and, and this is how they try to cover it.
Oh, I'm so sorry, everybody. I just realized uh, for like the last 38 seconds, it's been complete silence. But let me get that set up again. I uh, I, I had everything muted out because of uh, when when we get um, Alan back on the line. I don't want you guys to have to hear Skype going off. But here's here's that CNN interview. I'm so sorry about that. Is Virginia the first measure of the midterms to come? Let's take that question to the better minds. Republican and Democratic strategists Stuart Stevens and James Carville. Good to have you both. Uh, Jimmy, let me start with you. Uh, What do you think of Virginia? Do I have it right that what's happening with McAuliffe is the first look at the measure of Democrat power? But this is one Irishman that has had a drink, Chris. But yes, I mean, it's it's an important election. I know you have. (laughs) It's a very important election. Uh, It it will be bad. It's bad to lose any election. you know, I wish they would have had to just make, been able to consummate this deal uh, prior to Tuesday, but that looks like it's unlikely to happen. But I, I am very worried. I'm very concerned. Every Democrat should be and should be making calls to people in Virginia and get as many people out as we can to vote. It's going to be a very tight election. Now, let's talk tactics for one second, Stuart, uh, before I get your macro on it. Some people showed up at a Yunkin event posing as Charlottesville po- protesters. Uh, a group you're with, the Lincoln Project, owned that it was them, that they posed this way because they wanted people to remember. Uh, you're getting crushed by people on the right uh, as a dirty tactic. Do you stand behind what was done, and is that being what you guys say you oppose? Um, no. Listen, every day uh, I hear people pleading with the Lincoln Project to help show Democrats how to win, how to play hardball. Um, you know, this is an example. The, the question here is it's not about some guys who showed up at a rally. It's why hasn't Glenn Youngkin denounced Donald Trump for saying that there were good people on both sides? I mean, that is absolutely outrageous. And it's because Glenn Youngkin wants it both ways. And I think that's the message that needs to be driven here. You know, the, the Lincoln Project was the first in this race to put Charlottesville in an ad. And some people thought maybe it went too far, but we did it. And it worked. And then McAuliffe campaign followed us and put Charlottesville in a very good ad they did. So I think the question here is we can't ignore what happened in Charlottesville. The question is, why hasn't Glenn Youngkin denounced Donald Trump? First of all, to this point, um, literally nobody is going to the Lincoln Project to find out how to win. No, nobody's doing that. The Lincoln Project is a bunch of neoconservatives that, yes, were mildly successful with George W. Bush. They were all advisors. Need need I remind you that the 2000 election was decided in the Supreme Court? Not, Not exactly the winner's circle when you have to have the Supreme Court decide your election. And similarly, I mean, in 2004, like, yeah, Bush did okay, but it was still pretty close. After that, these same people, these advisors, lost to literally a nobody. Literally a nobody. Barack Obama who had no record, who had no background, the Lincoln Project advisors lost with John McCain. 
They were running John McCain, a Vietnam War veteran, a POW, a guy who has had decades of experience in the United States Senate representing Arizona against a literal nobody, and they lost. Then, after Obama passed some of the most divisive legislation, you had the Tea Party movement become a big deal and was making headlines. There was a lot of excitement. You had, then you, they ran Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney won by a, by a long shot. The first two debates against Obama, Obama almost seemed like he didn't want to be there. And these Lincoln project guys lost, even though Obama was extremely disliked at the time because of Obamacare, because of the lies of legislation, because he didn't get his agenda done. They still lost. Not a single per. Well, then, sorry, then in 2016, they supported people like Jeb Bush. And they were, you know, basically they were demanding that nobody, they didn't want anyone to vote for Donald Trump. They were trying to convince delegates to, uh, they, they were trying to convince electoral college delegates to switch their votes. Now, remember that that would be called a threat to democracy in 2020, but in 2016, they were these same people, these, the guys who ended up becoming the Lincoln project, they were trying to convince delegates, uh, to the electoral college to change their votes against the will of the citizens against the laws of those States. They were trying to convince people to change their electoral college votes to elect Hillary Clinton. They still lost. They didn't get their person in the primary. They didn't. They they didn't get the. Uh, you know when they tried to steal the election in 2016 by going to the electoral college and trying to get people to change their votes. These guys have lost for a very long time. Point is, nobody's going to the Lincoln Project for tips about how to win. Because the Lincoln Project guys haven't won anything. They had to move over to the Democrat Party just to try to stay relevant. So nobody believes that for a second. I honestly don't think the Lincoln Project was actually involved. I think that the Lincoln Project are trying to pretend. Or, or they're, they're, they're trying to be the fall guys. I think that this was the Democrat Party, pure and simple. I think the fact that they are hearkening back to Charlottesville and talking about how powerful it is in political messaging, I think that that kind of feeds into the concept that that might have been a false flag. We know that they'll do it. We know that they do it for, you know, political mileage. They, they're they super, I, I, I guess let's get to the brass tacks of this. Who at all gives a damn about the false, very fine people quote anymore? That thing has been beat over the head since 2017 when it happened. Who gives a damn about that anymore? And need I remind you, Trump's not even running. Glenn Youngkin is. Glenn Youngkin, by the way, just just to, to go a little bit deeper into this. Glenn Youngkin is not a firebrand. 
Glenn Youngkin isn't like some sort of like, holy crap, you know, he's not populist. He's not even America first. He's pretty boilerplate. He's a boilerplate conservative. It's kind of boring, to be honest. I've been very bored until uh, the school stuff came up. Um, and, and I'll dive into my election analysis in a second on that. But <clears throat> he's a pretty boilerplate conservative. If the Lincoln Project is supposedly the principled conservatives that they claim to be, and they want to return to the Republican Party of yore, then I'm going to be honest, Glenn Youngkin is kind of that guy. He's a very boilerplate, just sort of blasé conservative. There's nothing exceptional about it. Now, as Chick Mouse is saying, he seems like he might be a rhino. And Colleen is saying that, you know, he's kind of a uh, Romney. Yeah, that's my worry. Honestly, I don't I don't want Terry McAuliffe to be the governor of my state. But I don't think that having Glenn Youngkin as the governor is going to like advance things. If anything, it'll be the semi-standard conservatism that I'm used to, which is it'll slow down progressivism. I don't think it'll stop it. I don't think it'll reverse it. It'll just maybe slow it down. Hopefully slow it down. But likely just be four years of, well, I guess at least they didn't get everything they wanted. Because that's how lame a lot of these conservative candidates are they're more speed bumps to progressivism as opposed to you know actual leaders of movements that turn things around the point i'm making is if the lincoln project were honest about who they were or sorry let me rephrase that if the lincoln project were who they say they were they should be very supportive of glenn yumkin because he's just kind of a blase republican the same kind of blase republican that John McCain was, that George W. Bush was, that uh, Mitt Romney was. But they're not because they're actually liberals. They're actually progressives. They're actually Democrats. And so it's even more annoying when I listen to these clips from CNN where they go, oh, we've got a Republican and a Democrat. No, you don't. You have two Democrats. You have two Democrats. And I'm, part of what bothers me so much about the GOP is the fact that I want to see the Republican Party push back severely, especially now, especially after they just tried to pull a false flag. We need to see people like Ronna Romney McDaniel, the chairwoman of the GOP, come out and 100% demand that these Lincoln Project jerks stop referring to themselves as Republicans. We need to see that. We need to ensure that the GOP will actually fight against these liars. That they actually will fight against these people. Now, to that point of them needing to... (laughs) Fight back against things. There was a very interesting thread. And this all feeds into kind of a greater story when it comes to January 6th. And the people who were detained due to 
January 6th. There was a tweet that was put out by Brad Greyer. And Brad Greyer um, is, I believe, possibly the lawyer. Uh, I, I, I believe he might be a, a lawyer. I'm not sure. This might be his letter. I guess that's the problem. Uh, and sorry for making it so weird. But let me just read this because this was a post by uh, Brad Brad Greyer and it's getting a lot of attention. And it's, uh, you know, pertaining, th- this is a letter from a detainee. Ah, that's what it is. I'm, I'm very sorry. Brad Greyer, I believe, is the lawyer representing a, a gentleman named Nathan DeGrave who is detained in prison or in jail right now for January 6th. And this is what it has to what it has to say. Uh, Dear fellow Americans, I never thought I'd write a letter like this, but we're living in very different times. This is my cry for help. My name is Nathan DeGrave. And as a nonviolent participant at the January 6th rally, I've spent the last nine months detained. Uh, Detained as a political prisoner in pod C2B at the D.C. Department of Corrections, otherwise known as D.C.'s Gitmo. The conditions here for January Sixers have been inhumane. In fact, some inmates are even begging to be transferred to Guantanamo Bay, where even they have more acceptable standards. Class action lawsuits are being filed against this prison, and even the ACLU has gotten involved. Senators Matt Gates and Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene have since attempted to gain access to this facility and inspect the conditions of the jail only to be denied. The vile filth of what has become our daily life is being illegally hidden from members of our own Congress. So let me tell you about what me and many of the other January Sixers have been experiencing in DC's Gitmo. It is my hope that with media exposure and the awareness of the American public, that something may be done and this never happens to anyone ever again. Our conditions. For the first 120 days in DC's Gitmo, January Sixers experienced daily lockdowns for 23 to 24 hours before being allowed to leave our small 120 square foot cell. The physical and mental anguish that results from this kind of severe isolation has caused many people to go on a rapid mental decline. As a result, a large percentage of us are heavily medicated with anti-anxiety and antidepressant drugs, which helps to cope with this psychological and mental abuse we endure. Many times, the little wreck we do receive is stripped away if our cell isn't up to the standards of the guard on duty. This changes from day to day. January Sixers have lost wreck time and out-of-cell activity any time news interviews about the jail are aired on TV. People speak up about our conditions or rallies are held in our name. We'll probably have a lockdown upon the publishing of this letter. So I have already warned those I know in advance. Masks are weaponized and used against us, even though we never leave the facility. Officers have walked in 
with the sole intention of needing to write 20 to 30 disciplinary reports against January Sixers, which adversely affects our chances of release and causes loss of privileges, phone time, and commissary. Masks need to be covering both the nose and mouth at all times, or we we are threatened and locked down in our cells. January Sixers are also, are always respectful of the employees around us, but COs, uh, CEOs maintain the need to invent reasons for discipline. Privileged legal documents have been confiscated and gone missing from various cells, and highly sensitive discovery, video evidence under attorney-client privilege, is watched by employees during our legal calls. Jordan Mink, for example, had all discovery taken by ERT officers on August 23rd, despite the objection of his attorney. They handcuffed him, searched his room, and then proceeded to take all video evidence in his possession. Additionally, legal visits take two to three weeks or more to be scheduled, leaving little time to discuss our defense and prepare for trial. (coughs) The extreme medical neglect in this facility has caused a variety of adverse illnesses and disease. Some show signs of scurvy, and some even have COVID-like symptoms, but medical personnel have refused to treat it. Christopher Worrell, for example, is an inmate with cancer who also broke his hand in prison and requires surgery. Both have been completely ignored. Federal Judge Royce Lamberth got to the point where on October 12th, he filed contempt of court charges against the warden of the D.C. Department of Corrections, claiming that Worrell's civil rights have been violated and demanding the U.S. Attorney General inquire further about his and other possible violations. Another inmate, Peter Steger, waited four months to receive his CPAP breathing machine and has, and has needed an MRI since spring, which has also been ignored by staff. The harsh, the harsh, unlivable conditions of our unit has caused health hazards that defy Department of Health regulations. And on at least five occasions, raw sewage has overflowed our unit, causing human fecal matter to flood the floors and rooms. That's also in addition to the mold on the wall, on the cell walls, as well as rusty pipes, dirty water that flows from these sinks, uh, White rags turn brown when exposed to the water from our faucets. We are undergoing severe nutritional deficiencies and starvation. For breakfast this morning, I received a tray of flavorless paste and two slices of bread. (coughs) Sorry. Uh, Oh, two slices of bread and a slice of bologna. Lunch usually consists of rice and beans but we'll get cold chicken beef patties if we are lucky. For dinner, we are sometimes fed a diet of cheese sandwiches and bologna and cheese four to five times per week. Without commissary, people like myself are forced to starve. I suffer from headaches and nausea and in almost re- on an almost regular basis from the malnutrition and constant hunger I'm subjected to. I have lost almost 15 pounds since I've been detained. Our rights to personal hygiene are also neglected. Razors are prohibited. Now, uh, give me one second. We're going to actually see if we can get Alan back on the line uh, while I complete this uh, this whole deal. Uh, 
And uh, let's see if we can do that uh, because he's going to have a lot to say here. So, but let's go on. Uh, so, uh, welcome back, Alan. Thank you. It is great to be back. Uh, I'm glad the Chinese got upset at what you were saying. So I, I covered uh, the entirety of what I was trying to say about the Lincoln Project. The long story short on it was Charlottesville was probably a false flag uh, because the Lincoln Project, or well, anyway, Charlottesville was probably a false flag. And the reason why is because Joe Biden in 2020 stated his reason for running for president was because of how horrified he he was when he saw people marching in Charlottesville. Yeah. So that was the kind of long story of what we were getting to. I'm now reading that letter that you sent me from the January 6th detainee. So I'm going, I'm going to dive back into that in just a second. Um, <clears throat> sorry. So our rights to personal hygiene are also being totally neglected. Razors are prohibited. And inmates are forced to either go unshaved and grow long beards or use razor-free cream that burns and irritates the skin. But many other jails have allowed the use of razors without incident. Haircuts are also pro uh, prohibited from unvaccinated inmates. For me, it's been nearly nine months. I look virtually unrecognizable in the condition I'm in. I fear even my family would not recognize me. Contact with the outside world from legal visits to seeing loved ones is highly restricted. After in-person visits, legal or otherwise, we are forced to undergo humiliating strip searches despite all, despite all visitors being thoroughly checked for contraband. If it's a legal visit, we are placed in a 14-day quarantine with no out-of-cell time, even if your attorney is vaccinated and tests negative for COVID. Visits with friends or family members for unvaccinated inmates are never allowed. As a result, many people have skipped critical meetings with their counsel and never get an opportunity to see their friends or family. Video visitation, while available to the rest of the jail, is restricted in the January 6th pod. Mail is delayed for months and phone calls are limited to a maximum of pre-approved 12 numbers. If there's anyone else in our extended family or otherwise we'd like to call, we're pretty much out of luck. Religious services protected by the First Amendment are not provided to January Sixers. Neither are in-person classes or other activities available to the rest of the jail. An inmate named Ryan Samsel instead attempted to organize his own Bible study inside the pod until he was viciously beaten and left for dead by correctional officers. He suffered a broken eye socket and brain damage as a result of the vicious attack. He's now permanently blind in one eye. On another occasion, Scott Fairlamb was confronted by an officer in the middle of the night, and his life was threatened. Once the officer's body cam was disabled, Many like or once the sorry officer's body cam was disabled, many like myself are afraid they could be the next victim. And last but not least, we are experience we, we experience racism from many of the guards on a daily basis, being the only white Republicans in the entire jail. The false narrative that has been passed around the jail and to corrections officers is that we are white supremacists. The inmate population is predominantly black, so we are at risk 
being here because of those false narratives. The guards are mostly liberal migrants from Africa who have been conditioned to hate us and hate America. January Sixers have been mocked, beaten, and ridiculed by guards for singing the national anthem. The corrections officers despise our politics and and the love we have for this country. At one point, an officer even yelled, Fuck America! and threatened to lock us down for a week if we attempted to sing the national anthem again. The truth about my story. Finally, like I... like. I feel like I should touch briefly on the government prosecutor's portrayal of who I am as a person. No, I am not a terrorist, extremist, or any of these other names. I've been called by the government. More than anything, I'm a red-blooded patriot, and I love this country more than anything. I am being unfairly prosecuted and definitely overcharged. I never assaulted anyone. I never assaulted anyone, destroyed property, or stolen anything. I walked through wide open doors to enter the Capitol, along with my camera crew, hoping to get the rally on video. I was never even armed at any point inside the Capitol. Our goal was to make a documentary and get likes and shares on social media. Yes, I wore a costume that the prosecutor refers to as paramilitary gear and body armor. But it was for the movie and was nothing of the sort. And yet, nine months later, here I sit, with ten years worth of charges and no hope for a future. The surveillance footage shows absolutely no signs of assault, and despite attempts by the media companies to get it released to the public, the government has denied it. I think that's because they are fully aware that this footage is questionable at worst and exonerates me at best. Please don't be fooled by the media. I am a loving, peaceful person with no history of violence. The weaponized DOJ and their blatant resentment of my respect for President Donald Trump is putting me in a situation that makes me feel helpless. All right. It's a very... Well, that's utterly horrifying. Like, that guy is going... Like, these poor people are being put through hell. And there's no reason they should even be in jail. Right. Right. Like, how can you... How can you explain any of that for the charges that were being told? Trespassing. It's like... That's not a... You don't treat people on a trespassing charge with that level of cruelty unless you are essentially using the legal process to punish people when you know you can't do it through actual legal means. It's like you're putting people through this horror because the the the, the process is the punishment rather than, I don't know, what is it, like going to be a couple hundred dollar fine? Like, mm-hmm. what's the fine for trespass? What's the punishment for simply trespassing? Oh, there's a fine. Maybe there's six months in prison. Maybe 10 years. Who knows? But it's, they've been in jail for a year. How is this case that hard to decide? The, mm-hmm. the, the process is the punishment. The only reason this is happening is because the Democrat Party and the Biden regime want to punish these people as political prisoners. This type of treatment is what happened in the Soviet gulags. This yeah. is exactly the point that they're trying. This is exactly why they're doing this, to make an example of these people to say, hey, if you oppose the regime, we will ruin your life by throwing you in this 
Byzantine labyrinth of a legal system where you're never even going to get charged. You're never even going to have the trial, but you will have your life destroyed by sitting in some black hole of a prison waiting for trial where the guards will beat you with their cameras off, where you will be starved, where your health will be intentionally destroyed, where your mind and spirit will be intentionally broken by all these little manipulations. That's this. They it's like they read the Gulag Archipelago about the horrors of the Soviet system and said, wow, that's a great idea. That would totally work. What's amazing that that you bring that up. There's a purpose for the abuse. Oh. Um, and, uh, well, <laughs> here it is. Uh, let me see if I can find the original, um, the, the original piece here, because there's a lot of reactions, but the, there's a purpose, uh, for, for the abuse. And, uh, the reason for it is to break these people so they will do um, exactly uh, so, so they'll go along with it. I mean, it, nothing yeah. is more Soviet than how we saw someone get released. Um, I, I, yeah. guess, I guess I'll just go to the reporting of it. Um, so someone got released from mm-hmm. this horror, and how did they secure their release? Judge... Jackson, Judge Amy Jackson, released a January 6th defendant from pretrial custody after he disavowed Trump in a letter and his lawyer suggested a political conversion. And this is what's amazing. This was actually reported in real time by a liberal media person. Um, by a liberal media reporter on Twitter. And it has one of the most hilarious outcomes that this, the here's the tweets that were initially put out by Jordan Fisher. Judge Jackson says she's compelled by the toxic environment and incredible pressure. Thomas Sibick has Thomas Sibick's had to resist to be someone in the DC jail unit where the Capitol riot defendants are being held. Judge Jackson, quote, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt, which I think you've earned. Uh, please understand, Mr. Sibick, that you will get only one chance. Judge Jackson releases Thomas Sibick to the custody of his parents. He will be under 24-hour home incarceration, must stay away from D.C. and any political rallies, and must continue his psychiatric treatment. No firearms, can't watch any political TV programming, no social media. Uh, quote, his mental thought process has changed a lot. Brenwald, his attorney, says, I'm not saying he's a liberal. I'm not saying he's an Elizabeth Warren fan, but his mindset has changed so much that he had to get out of that unit. Brenwald says Capitol riot defendants being detained together in the D.C. jail are radicalizing, says he's heard them singing the Star Spangled Banner which they do every night at nine. It's almost cult-like. So that, that, that's the approach that the uh, defense attorney used. Now understand just for a quick second, understand this defense attorney's entire attorney's entire point in life is to get this guy out of jail. So don't assume 
that this defense attorney is like a raging liberal. This defense attorney is doing whatever he needs to get his guy out of jail. So he's going to say whatever it takes, potentially. But what got this, so this Thomas Civic. Thomas Civic attempted to get released before and was denied, but he got released like even earlier this month, he tried to get released and was denied, but he got released this time after he wrote a letter denouncing Donald Trump, a legally elected president, like a president, a president of the United States. Sure. Right. It's not like he was a it's not like he was a member of Al Qaeda denouncing <laughs> Osama bin Laden. Right. He was denouncing the guy who was elected by the people and had just served four years as president of the United States with the backing backing of half the at least half the country and an entire political party. Right. Th- that in and of itself is insane. But further on, the fact that this guy had to write a letter disavowing the United States to secure his release from prison is what happens in North Vietnamese prison camps to downed U.S. airmen. Like, this happens in prisoner of war camps. Like, this is insane. I cannot imagine how this was ever even allowed. You you know what? You you bring up a really interesting point, actually. Just, just, you, you kind of touched on something that, that, uh, that interests me um, okay. to your point. Where's where, where are people like say Megan McCain whose father yeah. would have had to face almost this exact same treatment when he was uh, in the Hanoi Hilton. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where, are the, where, are the, where's Megan McCain? Where's anyone who was a Vietnam vet should be, Outrage! Like th- this is what the c- bad guys did to U.S. airmen. They isolated them. They starved them. They beat them. All with the goal of being like, uh, "You can be released. All you got to do is write this paper denouncing the United States of America." In fact, they train U.S. service personnel in things like SEER training on how to resist interrogation, and they talk about it as like, "Well, you can't sign the piece of paper. Like that's like it is." It, isn't that isn't that thing? I think I'm thinking that right. Is that's part of the training at Sears School? Is bad guys are going to try and get you to denounce the United States, and you're supposed to resist it. It it, it it's is like they took all of that as a as an inspiration for it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just is incredible to me that this got this far. Yeah, the, the, it, it is it is absolute brutal dictatorship tactics to do this to people and the Democrats and the Democrat party are going full bore on it. This is what they want. This is the situation they want to exist because this is how they will destroy dissent. So it's utterly ludicrous. And it just, it proves the true ugly face of our opposition. When you recognize that they are going to pervert justice and law to this degree, so that they can destroy your soul as a political opposition. We're going to, um, if you don't mind, Alan, but we're going to extend a little bit because there is a little bit more Sounds to talk great. about, and I don't want to jump off just yet. But um, 
So, so here, here's the overall, um, from Glenn Greenwald. He posts part of the letter that was written to secure this guy's release. Understand this. I, I, I can't, um, I, I can't comment this. And Oh, one of the things I was bringing up was this, uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Fisher, who's a, a reporter for WUSA nine, uh, people were sharing mm-hmm. his tweets where he was going kind of step by step on what was going on in the courtroom. And then he started accusing people of disinformation for sharing his tweets. Yeah, because they look so bad. So understand. So Thomas Sibick, the the initial headline was Thomas Sibick is back in court this morning again, trying to argue for pretrial release. A judge denied the same request earlier this month. Yet. His his request was approved that time. His request was approved on on October 26th. And why? Because he presented this letter that has this excerpt from it. Trump, quote, is not a leader and should be ostracized from any political future. What he honestly needs to do is go away. I can't imagine a U.S. judge allowed this. Like, I feel like if someone, I thought you would walk in front of a U.S. judge and say, well, my client is uh, willing to write a letter denouncing his politics if you release him early. And the judge would go, I'm sorry, that's not how things work in the United States. I no, we're not going to do that. The reason why... Especially they... for this. Especially for this. If it was a... If this was someone that was like an, like a member of Al-Qaeda, like an ISIS member, I can understand how you'd say, oh, I'm denouncing my... Exp- my, my politics are death to the, the United States. I can understand that. But this is someone that's so simply like, hey, I'm part of a totally legitimate u.s political party i'm part of a totally legitimate u.s political movement i'm a patriot i sing the national anthem that 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 guy needed to recant his politics is utterly terrifying Mm -hmm. a judge then allowed it that a judge got behind this that means the legal system endorses this kind of behavior it endorses that we should view people on the right wing of politics as Beyond the pale as as terrorists. This is the whole thing we've been talking about. This proves that there are people in the justice system that are willing to put aside everything that they supposedly support and treat people who just happen to be voting for the other political party as actual as as enemies of their country, Mm -hmm. as enemies of the state, as deviants. It's like, this is exactly what happened in the Soviet Union. This is exactly what led to the Gulag system. This is, the parallels, the parallels are not even obvious anymore. The parallels are exact. This is how that system was set up, where you had politicized judges that defined any any behavior that was counter to what the party wanted as anti-Soviet, anti-social behavior, and people must be, reformed and retrained to recant their vile politics so that they may be good good Soviet citizens again. And that is why the system in the gulags was intentionally designed to cause human suffering, was that the view during of the Soviet government and these of the Soviet judges and all of these people in the Soviet Union was these people must be made to suffer 
for the crime of disagreeing with the party. And that is exactly what is happening here. And, and it's being enforced by judges, by not just a few people at the top of the party, by liberals themselves, by the, those corrupted individuals that align with the regime. Absolutely horrifying, because it probably didn't even need overall top-down direction by the DNC. They probably just said, oh, all these, all these liberals are essentially so morally compromised already, they'll just do this for us. We don't even have to direct them. We've just, they've watched enough mind-altering media propaganda that then when these people go before them, they will already see them as evil terrorists who must be destroyed. This is the end goal of the propaganda. It's the end goal of the media. It's the end goal of the DNC is to push regular Americans to view anyone that stands in opposition to their destruction of the country as an evil, vile person who must be made to suffer before they are eventually morally and spiritually destroyed. Now, real quick, before I dive into the real pressing question that I know everyone's asking. I'm going to read a an article from the Washington Times um, that was released yesterday. Headline is police officials exchanged warnings of Antifa, Black Lives Matter, blending in with January 6th crowds. New, newly released documents show that law enforcement officials were concerned that far-left activists would attempt to blend in with Trump supporters at January 6th protests and cause trouble, especially around cameras. In a January 5th email, a U.S. Capitol Police Intelligence and Interagency Coordination Division official alerted several federal and and police agencies to a Twitter post about Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters from Baltimore and Washington, quote, already bussing people in to disturb January 6th, end quote. The email went to the U.S. Park Police, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Transportation, and Washington Metro Police Department. It was among 300 pages of U.S. Park Police records related to, Jan to the January 6th riot, that were obtained by Judicial Watch through a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit. Quote, orders given to dress like MAGA, blend in, cause trouble, especially around cameras, end quote, read the Twitter post that was shared by the USCP intelligence official. Quote, at night, arson has been ordered, all to be blamed on Trump supporters attending, end quote. In the email, the official told law enforcement colleagues that the post had received, quote, multiple replies, saying that BLM and Antifa activists will wear MAGA hats backwards, wear camouflage and attempt to blend in into the MAGA crowd. During and after January, the January 6th riot, news outlets included, including the Washington Times, reported that activists from leftist organizations had been present in the crowd that stormed the Capitol while law enforcement identified far-right extremists in the crowd in the crowds no antifa or other far-left activists were identified the times issued a correction for its erroneous report however the emails confirmed the possibility of agitation by leftist activists was on the radar of law enforcement officials as they prepared for the protests in the emails the officials do little to assess the credibility of the tweet this guy's Twitter says he's a U.S. Senate candidate for Maryland in 2022. The email reads, 
Interesting. The account mm-hmm. that posted the tweet uh, referred by the officials has been suspended. <sighs> Law enforcement officials were also concerned about the possibility of counter protesters clashing with pro Trump pro Trump demonstrators on January 6th, according to U.S. Park Police incident briefing the day before the incident briefing note, which also which was also attained by an uh, by a FOIA lawsuit outlined several rallies scheduled to take place throughout the day and details of a number of anticipated attendees for each rally gleaned from social media posts. All right. Mm. It was a false flag. Yeah. We just saw the Lincoln Project try to pull a false flag. They tried to uh, false flag the uh, justice for January 6th. This was probably this was a false flag, too. There's a ton of evidence that's being that understand this. Um, Don't get me wrong. I like Tucker Carlson. Yep. Tucker Carlson is on a mainstream media news network. He's on Fox News. He's the most watched cable news host. Nothing mm-hmm. he says is really extreme. The The amount of vetting that has to happen for. Yeah. For and, and also understand Tucker Carlson's tactics. He talks about stuff to bait the left. He, he's he, he goes on what I like to call the Breitbart school. Talk about things, get the left pissed off and infuriated about it, screaming that it's untrue, screaming that it's false, then present your evidence that you had the entire time. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. That's what he's always done. So since Tucker Carlson is popular, popularizing the fact that there were, you know, when he's saying what were federal agents involved in January 6th, were federal agents uh, encouraging uh, people to commit violence at January 6th, were federal agents trying to get people arrested? I'm going to tell you right now. The only reason why Tucker Carlson is doing that is because he already has all the evidence that, yes, federal agents were. Yeah. Now, which is and again, like we've we say this a lot, like, oh, these like federal agents are trying to infiltrate all of these movements and cause false flags and be on hand. It is extremely worrying and it shows just how far things in the United States have degenerated. That that is actually a reality, that we have the federal government with a federal bureaucracy going through all of the boxes and motions it needs to do to send federal employees to political rallies of its own citizens in order to entrap those citizens and make a big show for the cameras of the press, all designed to destroy internal political opposition. That is the reality of the United States in which we live today. The entire federal government needs to be purged top to bottom if that is a reality. Because the federal government is essentially employing its own force to to prevent political dissent amongst the people. If it's a government of the people, then it has clearly transcended that boundary. And... I don't even know how you would begin reforming that system if these things are happening at that level. It's like, does the FBI director know about this? Does the does the Justice Department know that its own people are being used to entrap political citizens for simply having a like peaceful political rally? 
that their its own employees and field agents and bureaucrats are working with members of the left wing media and the Democrat Party to craft in this illusion and to put peaceful Americans in jail and torture them essentially because they're on the wrong side of some political movement. How deep does this corruption go? Now, the big question that's being asked is what the hell can we do about it now? Mm -hmm. This is what you can do. Um, This is unfortunately kind of all you can do. It's not going to be easy, but it Mm -hmm. is also easy. Let me phrase it that way. This is not a we go and get to attack the left part. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's not how you're going to solve this. You have to attack the right. That is how you solve this. And let me explain. Why has nothing been done? That is the question that everybody's asking right now. And it's a question that I want to have answered, uh, which is why I've extended the program. Mm. Um what you know why hasn't something been done well it's because for some reason the gop doesn't seem to think that they need to do anything that's the problem the democrats are not going to change this this is great for them this is fantastic for them why the hell would the democrat party ever want to change the idea that they can literally have their own gulags they want that they've always wanted that um, i yeah. mean the the progressive left created the soviet system it created the gulags it's their own thing yeah. they've always yeah. wanted them here it's the right that can solve this problem it's the gop that's the whole point that's the whole mm-hmm. point of why you vote is so we don't have to take to the streets every time the government does something insane yeah so what can you do Well, here's the unfortunate answer. What you can do is get you and your like-minded friends to explain to every single representative in the Republican Party that if they don't do something about this, you will ensure that they lose in 2022. Yeah. Let me explain that to you. I don't like the idea of there basically being complete and total uniparty control of the Democrat Party in the United States of America. But if the Republican Party isn't doing anything, what's the difference? Yeah. At least. At least if everybody was a Democrat, I would know where the bad things come from. And instead, I'm not being fed false hope that anyone's going to do a goddamn thing about it. At the end of the day, the Republican Party needs to be scared so shitless that they will lose everything. Everything. I mean everything. No Republican Party. Unless mm-hmm. they do something about this. The fact that it has been nine months and they haven't done anything. And let me let me just, for the benefit of the doubt, maybe they are doing something. But they sure as hell need to tell people because right now... Everyone doesn't see shit. 
They literally think the Democrats are throwing people in prison, torturing them until they disavow their politics to release them. Yeah. This actually is maybe the only issue I now care about as a voter. Do I care what the economy is doing? Do I care about abortion? Do I even care about necessarily guns? Do I care about government regulations? Do I care about military aid to foreign countries? Do I care about any of that more than I care about the fact that I could just be snapped up on a trumped up charge and then subjected to the things that these January 6th rioters are being subjected to and being forced to recant my politics at the point of a horrifying gulag type prison system? Yeah, no, that's the only vote thing that matters to me anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't care about lower taxes if that's a worry that i now have in america mm-hmm. i don't care about anything else on the gop platform other than are you going to protect me from them treating me like they treated the january 6 people because they could come and arrest you for literally anything mm-hmm. it's like well we put up a, a a social media post um uh, saying, let's go, Brandon. And that's um, now a hate slur and the indicator for domestic terror activity. So while we really are going to end up charging you with some misdemeanor crime like, I don't know, breach of the peace or something lame, we're going to manipulate the system so that you'll be in jail for a year. Your health will be ruined. You'll be mentally destroyed. And you will be an example to everyone else not to even think about not to even think about challenging the Democrat Party. That matters more than anything else in the country right now is ensuring that that practice is that the federal government is incapable of doing that on the whims of a political party. What else matters more? What else would the Republicans support that would matter more than their own base being treated that way? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, like, that's it. This needs to become the only thing that matters. And, and yeah. it should. I I. I I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be honest. I don't think it's that hard. I don't think it's that hard. It, it, it's the the only thing that needs to really happen is every single person that's in, alter, in alternative media and everything needs to just get everyone on the same page. And now some of that is happening. This letter was very shocking. A lot of people are covering it. But the fact Good. of the matter is, is I either... Either the GOP is completely complicit in all of this and they're on they're all on the same side and they're all screwing us over or they're being misled by consultants who are telling them that, oh, no, 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 no. Americans are really shocked and upset over January 6th. If you look like you support it, you're not going to win reelection, sir. You're going to lose that. You're you're going to lose the three percent of independence, sir. And if that's true then the GOP are way worse and stupid than I had ever thought possible. Because I remember when sitting members of Congress and the Senate and maybe even the president of the United States not too long ago were saying that we that the conditions for Islamic terrorists in Gitmo were so appalling they need to be transferred to regular U.S. prisons. That we need all this oversight, we need to shut down Gitmo because it's abusing people and it's not the rule of law. And that was for people that were Islamic terrorists after 9-11. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you couldn't, that the idea that if you support 
that for January 6th, people are suddenly going to stop voting for you. It's like, no, no, no. Democrats were reelected after they said that about the 9-11 attackers. So I'm pretty sure you can say you can promote the, the cause of justice for the January 6th prisoners without losing a whole lot of votes. And, and that's, I think, the utility of this guy's letter is we shouldn't debate the conditions they're in so much as we should use the conditions they're in as a way to get people aware and upset that the U.S. government is essentially using this as a de facto gulag for political prisoners. And, and to, to a response to what I'm sure a lot of people are saying, where's Trump? Yeah, where is Trump? Like, okay, I, I can sit here and whine and complain about the, you know, establishment GOP, the Mitch McConnells and the whomever not doing anything. That's not surprising. Where the fuck is Trump? Where are yeah. you, dude? I haven't heard jack or shit about from Donald Trump uh, defending these January, these people that have been arrested. Now, I'm not trying to defend him. I'm not trying to defend him. A claim might be made. That Trump getting involved in it would only make it worse for them. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But Disagree. You're, the, you're the most powerful goddamn voice in the entire movement. Like, if somebody's telling you, like, sir, if you say something, it's only going to make matters worse. Uh, they're bad. They're already bad. How much worse yeah. can they get? How much worse? Like, I'm sorry. You want to run in 2024 or you want to tease around that you're going to run in 2024? And you want to fundraise on the possibility that you might run in 2024? Stop retweeting anything that Trump puts out. Stop retweeting any of his statements until he demands the release of these people. Stop doing yeah. anything for any Republican. I don't care if it's Donald Trump. I don't care if it's Rand Paul. I don't care if it's any of these people, Lauren Boebert or like, no offense. I know Matt Gates and I know Marjorie Taylor Greene have stormed down to the DC jail and said, we want to take a look at the conditions. And then they went, you're not allowed. And they went, Oh gee, shucks. And they walked away. Fuck them yeah. too. Fuck them. Yeah. Too. They used it as a political op. Yeah. No, I don't care about any of these people. Governors should be demanding the extradition of their citizens be from the DC jail. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you, if I was the governor of a state right now, I would look at this and say the citizens of my state, which is a a sovereign entity within the Republic of the United States, the citizens of my state are being subjected to cruel and unusual, unconstitutional punishment by the federal government, I have a duty as the governor of my state to ensure that my citizens are not abused. That's the whole point of why we have a republic. It's the whole point of why we have a constitution is to ensure that the citizen that state citizens of states are not abused by the federal government. They have a, I think they would have a very strong case saying we demand extradition. And even if they can't even if that doesn't work, even if there's some rule that says they can't, they can't demand extradition, they should still be bringing it up. That's the part that annoys me is I, I, this is the biggest story. Uh, even if everybody's hands are tied and we have to let the system do its thing. I want to see the Republican Party making a huge deal about this. And how hard of a sell is it to say the Democrat Party and the Biden regime are treating american citizens 
in ways that we were told the left didn't want us to treat Islamic terrorists. They are treating them, we're, they, they might as well be waterboarding them. Like they're, we're treating them like, we're, like they're war criminals or like they're in some sort of prison camp. They're treating them like they're in a CIA black site. That is the, like, I should hear every single Republican making the biggest stink about this. I should hear governors threatening to send the National Guard to get these people out of prison because this is so far out of bounds. And, and essentially, the Republican silence is allowing this to continue and allowing the Democrats to keep this as a feature of their politics. And maybe everyone's just too terrified that what's happened to these people is going to happen to them. But I want to see every Republican outlet causing a big stink about this because that's the only way it's going to get enough traction to stop. The media wants to cover this up and we can't allow that. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, it's this, like, like you said, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of potential that people are going to say like, well, our hands are tied because of the process. Um, this is a complete violation of the sixth amendment of the constitution of the United States. You're supposed yeah. to get a fair and speedy trial. Nine months on a trespassing charge that we have like, video evidence of. Yeah, like I, I, I'm, I'm over the. Oh well, geez, but the rules say. Yeah, they've broke. They, they broke the rules too. Like I, I'm sorry, uh, the rules don't matter yeah. anymore. Yeah. No, these people are your people. They are your team. They're your countrymen, mm -hmm. and they are being abused by your enemy, by the people that have sworn to destroy the things that you love, and. At this point, almost nothing else matters. It's what side are you on? Are you on Are you on the side of America and all the things that you supposedly say? Well, then these are your allies being abused. They are stuck behind enemy lines, being abused in an enemy prison. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter at this point. Like, either you're for them or you're against them. So not, not that I, you know, not that it certainly, it, it didn't help much. But the answer to the question of what can we do? It is 100% you and your like-minded friends. Talk to them about this. It, it needs to be made obvious from as many people as possible that unless the GOP, like as Alan so eloquently put it, this is the number one issue. Until this issue gets yeah. solved, nothing up. Do not allow yourself to get distracted. I don't care what AOC said. I don't care what bill is happening. I don't care about Christian cinema getting uh, annoyed by liberals. Oh, geez. Stop giving a shit about any of it. Number one issue. Yeah. These it, by the way, this is the successful tactic that worked in Virginia that might result in a Virginia, uh, in a Republican governor is he made education the number one issue. It changed the polls. The number one issue for voters in Virginia is education because of the protests that happened in, Loud in Loudoun County. So make the number one issue everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Make and it how the hard of a 6th. sell is it? Yeah. How hard of a sell is it? Be like, you don't even have to, you don't have to discuss the events of January 6th. All you have to do is say, these people are being subjected to cruel and unusual punishment by the American government for opposing the regime. Mm -hmm. It's like they they've been in jail for almost a year. They'll probably be in jail for more than a year. They're being subjected to terrible conditions intentionally. And this is an intentional. This is an intentional effort to make these people suffer 
regardless of what they did or didn't do on January 6th, this situation is absolutely wrong. And they need to be given their trials and subjected to whatever punishment those trials convey. But having them sit in prison for this long under these conditions is absolutely wrong and needs to be stopped. Mm -hmm. If you're... If if you or any liberal you know was championing the cause of people in Guantanamo Bay, then this is an easy sell. That was an easy sell at the time. Like, hey, uh, we're waterboarding these prisoners and keeping them in solitary confinement. And it's super awful. And they're not even getting to read the Quran every day. Isn't that horrible? And that was a movement of people promoted helping them. And so it should be a no-brainer that we can now do the same thing for January 6th and nobody can criticize us. What are they going to say? Oh, they're terrorists and white supremacists. It's like, yeah, like enough. Like people supported rights for actual terrorists and Islamic terrorists and members of Al Qaeda. They supported those people not being abused by the system. So we're just supporting these people not being abused by the system. Who's going to even argue that with you? Who's going to say, sit there and say, look you in the face and say, no, they're white supremacists. So they need to like have their health and lives destroyed by a horrifying like abusive prison stay no one is going to feel no one's going to say that because they're that would be a mask off moment to reveal how horrifying they are on the inside so no one's going to do that even it's just an easy sell now um in the final thoughts for this one thing that i will i will put out and then i, I want to give everybody my estimations for what's going to happen on tuesday um and that'll be the final part of the show is um to people like chick mouse here who is talking about how like you know this this is upsetting right yeah and the 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 deal is is this um don't let your blood pressure get up so high over this situation because it's not your blood pressure that should be affected we live in a representative republic we do the people aren't supposed to need to storm the capitol building for political redress the people aren't supposed to be sitting there doing letter writing campaigns to try to get political prisoners released from prison yeah this is supposed to be the responsibility of your representatives. So demand the representatives do their job. Stop yeah. emotionally carrying this yourself because all that's doing, all that's doing is taking the responsibility off the shoulders of the Republican Party. They want you upset about it because then they don't have to do anything. And that's part of what's broken in yeah. this system is they get you pissed off and then you'll complain about it and you'll do something about it. And then they can continue to collect their nice fat paycheck and their nice fat retirement for not having to do shit. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to be a little mean. I happen to have a friend who is a chairperson for a county level Republican Party. In a, in a Republican state. I'm going to kindly ask him on this program right now, what's his party doing about this? What is That's his good. Senate representative doing about this? What is his mm -hmm. state party doing about this? And maybe he will kindly, he's a very nice person, but he's also just a county representative. Maybe he would like to come on the program next week and maybe he can tell us what the GOP is doing about it. 
Maybe that would he be can't. Great. Maybe he can't. But it would be nice to have someone. Yeah. Now, my final thing real quick for the last two minutes uh, that will be on here is my estimations for Tuesday for my local Virginia governor's election. Terry McAuliffe is dying in the polls so much that he had to pull a false flag. I think that Virginia is the bellwether, as Chris Cuomo said in the clip that I played earlier in the program. I think that it's absolutely the bellwether for how 2024 is going to go. I don't think it's in the way of like, oh, Glenn Youngkin's going to win and that's going to be a sign of how bad the Democrats are doing. I think that every single thing I've seen in basically the tea leaves is it's a repeat of 2020. I think that there's going to be, well, okay, I hope I'm wrong. I'll start this, but I bet that next week I'm going to come onto this program and we may not even know who the governor of Virginia is yet. Because why wouldn't that be? Why wouldn't it go just like 2020? They just tried to stage a false flag. They tried to stage a false flag and there's political prisoners in jail. So please again, tell me that these people wouldn't steal an election because they're doing everything else a corrupt regime would do. So I don't have a lot of faith. I'm going to vote. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm going to vote, but I don't have a lot of faith that this isn't going to be corrupted. But those are going to be my final thoughts. I don't think we're going to know the governor of Virginia on Tuesday. I hope to God I'm proven wrong. And I hope that Terry McAuliffe loses and it scares the hell out of the Democrats. But like I said, we need to start a movement on this January 6th thing. It's been too long. And the Republicans don't deserve to win in 2024 or 2022 if they do nothing about it. But that's going to be it for today. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next week.